Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Next week we'll be in chapter 13, which is the still more excellent way, the way of love. But for today, we're here in body and spirit, and we're talking about bodies. The human body, which is an amazing thing and has 206 bones and 639 muscles and six pounds of skin and ligaments and cartilage and veins and arteries and blood and fat and more. Every time we go to do something with our bodies, like take a breath or reach out a hand or speak a word, Hundreds of different parts without our even being aware of it work together so that what we experience is a single movement, our minds and bodies working as one unit. We don't even think about it until something goes wrong. Difficulty breathing, stiff joints that happen in the morning, a pause in our speech when the word just won't come to mind. Lindsay's gotten very good at completing my sentences when I forget my words. I don't know what I'm going to do when I leave. Somebody else will have to. But, you know, as we get older, those things happen. And we start to actually think, I think I know more about the body now than I ever did because of things that go wrong, right? Things that are supposed to work together, but they don't. They stop connecting. And I think this, um, these past few years in pandemic, we have become so much more aware of this because we've lost some of those ordinary blessings of the body that we take for granted, like breathing normally um, or without a mask or having our sense of smell be intact or extending human touch, those ordinary everyday blessings. Our bodies are important and valued and fragile. And that is true no matter our age or race, ability or disability. It's true whether we identify with our gender assigned at birth or our transgender, whether we are neurotypical or processed differently due to autism, dementia, Alzheimer's, or any other human condition. Elsewhere, Paul calls our bodies temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies, friends, all our bodies as temples where God's Spirit dwells. Christian tradition has honored and valued bodily existence within our 2,000-year-plus history with hospitals and with healing prayer, by baptizing babies and anointing heads with oil in sickness and before death. Christianity has also affirmed our kinship and how bodies together represent the body of Christ in the world God so loves. But there are times, too, we fall short of this interconnected, well-functioning body that Paul talks about, and that we fail to see the gifts of those who are differently abled. When I served the presbytery back in Delaware, we had a wonderful woman who went through all the steps for ordination, which is a lot, if you don't know, to Ministry of Word and Sacrament. Um, It's you know, it's not just the exams at the end, it's not just the three years of seminary before that, but it's all sorts of of sort of hoops that you jump through, and she'd been certified ready to receive a call. Um, But Deb is completely blind. She has been that way since birth, 
And she found when she went to get a call that um, no church was willing to extend one. And it was a very difficult time for her. And we finally came up with a plan. She really drove this. I, I don't know how she stayed encouraged enough to do it. But she put together a, a ministry proposal where she would help churches by coming in and seeing how um, welcoming they would be to the disabled, like the ramps, you know, having ramps, having ramps cleared when there's snow, um, having clear access down the aisles and into the chancel area and into the pulpit. <laughs> Maybe don't invite her here for a little bit, but she is wonderful. Um, we already know that these are things that we have to work on and that we want um, people who are in wheelchairs or otherwise have mobility issues to be able to fully participate in worship leadership in wh whatever way possible. So she had this idea, to, and then she, um, the presbytery gave her uh, money to develop a website so she could get the word out and help people and churches um, who, who needed to do stuff like this. And eventually what happened is God blessed that ministry so much that she was ordained to a ministry um, to help churches be more open to disabled folks. And that's a really wonderful thing that sometimes goes unrecognized. I don't know any other blind Presbyterian USA pastors. I mean, totally blind since birth. I don't know. Maybe there are some. We did have a wedding here recently where there was, uh, you, you know, there were several deaf members in the congregation with interpreters, and I spoke to one of the interpreters, and it turned out he is the pastor of a deaf, of a church for um, deaf individuals in Cleveland, in the Cleveland area. I didn't even know that existed. It's south of us. So all these wonderful ways that God gives gifts and sometimes we fail to notice and to accept those gifts that move among us. Paul uses the body as this powerful image for the church. And it's so powerful because it, it contains both the complexity and fragility and the unity. His words have this sort of playful charm, if you look through that chapter, where he talks about now if a foot said to a hand and an ear said to a mouth, I mean, things that would never happen. But he's trying to get them to see how ridiculous it is that the parts have to work together or something is wrong. He emphasizes especially the importance of the parts that others might think are a little less important. You know, that their gifts aren't as primary or even hidden. And he, he says that those are exactly the gifts that should be lifted up and honored. That scripture often reminds me of the years that I served monthly communion to the nursing home. And it, it was a well-attended service. It was well-attended by the blind, the wheelchair-bound, and many experiencing Alzheimer's or mental illness. The weekly Bible study group I taught took off the third Wednesday of each month to prepare and conduct the service. Five or six of them, I just preached and served communion, and five or six of them would do a poem or a reading or a song, and it was about 30 minutes long. And after I preached, um, during which most people were like rocking or swaying or sometimes sleeping or maybe singing while I was preaching, um, everybody's body was involved in some way. They were all involved in some way. Wiggling, wiggling that Lindsay mentioned earlier. 
And afterwards, taking the bread and the cup to each individual and, and, and dipping that morsel and putting it in their hand or in their mouth if they didn't have use of their hands, it was, it was just a, such a reminder to me of the humility of um, our existence in, in bodily form and the humility of ministry itself. It was wonderful training for a young pastor to go into that setting month in and month out where it, you, you didn't know that anyone heard or understood anything that you said, which sometimes is the case today still. <laughs> But then it was more obvious, I guess is what I'm saying. And so you learned to, to listen more for the Spirit of God and to trust the Spirit of God to speak to people in the way the people can hear, which is often has nothing to do with the words you say. Um, I treasured those times. I, I miss those times um, when we prayed for them and shared worship. And sometimes I would see tears in their eyes or a quiet thank you, or even a grasping of an arm or hand that said, pray for me. I can't tell you where they fit into Paul's very organized schema of a head and a hands and a feet. And, you know, those are all very able parts. I don't know where they fit in to that scripture, but I know they're there because I know their gifts are there and they had gifts to share. They had laughter, they had hope, they had faith and endurance. They even had suffering, which became an offering to God. In the body of Christ, all bodies are important. There's a place for every one of us, whether our gifts are well used and obvious or quietly supportive or unrecognized and completely underused. The poet and musician Sidney Lanier was a loudest of extraordinary skill, and he played in the symphony orchestra of Baltimore. One day as the orchestra was rehearsing and the symphony was building up under the baton of the conductor to the grand crescendo with drums and clappers and horns and trumpets and a full organ, a whimsical thought entered his young mind, and that was this. What difference does my little flute make with its tiny music in the midst of a thundering roar? Even if I should stop, my playing would never be missed. Still holding the flute at his lips, he ceased to blow or to play his part at all. And instantly, quick as a steel trap, the conductor banged his baton angrily, halted the music, pointed directly at Lanier and said, where is the flute? Lanyard hadn't counted on the sensitivity of the conductor to the music of the smallest instrument and his instant awareness it was missing from the grand harmony. There may be times our own Christian service and stewardship may seem small and obscure in the total scheme of things. Maybe no one will notice if I don't talk about what I can actually do in the church. By the way, is there a treasure out there for the church anywhere? I'm just wondering. We need one. It's one of the things we need. You know, that we need a lot of other things. And what we really need as this new pastor comes in is people who, who maybe don't have a specific role right now who might step up and say, this is my gift, because if you have a gift, it will be used. 
it will be used. So often we doubt our vital importance to God and the body of Christ, but even if we play the smallest of roles in God's great orchestra of outreach and justice in the world, failure to do our part hinders that harmony that God intends and compromises the effectiveness of the church. In a former congregation, we welcomed a new member who was a master gardener and retiree. And almost immediately after he and his wife joined, they volunteered to work the landscaping. This church um, didn't really hire for anything. Um, we, it, we were very frugal. Um, and as soon as you showed up and we knew what you were good at, you pitched in to help some way. So they went about and, and did their job, like a lot of other people, because there was a real understanding that Christian discipleship means active involvement not just belonging to a church, but becoming a Christian community. So they started gardening in, in earnest and worked at it almost a year, and they created beauty wherever their hands touched that wasn't there before. But then, quite suddenly, the flowers began to fade, and the weeds were sprouting up, and we noticed they weren't showing up as much in their volunteer gig. And it turned out that the chair of the property committee didn't like the way they pruned the bushes and made sure they knew it. And soon that couple left the church, feeling like the gift they had so freely and joyfully offered had been rejected. Friends, it is so important that we handle each other's gifts carefully. In Paul's context in Corinth, it was obvious there had been conflicts over the use of gifts and the lack of respect for one another and perhaps some territorial behavior about whose thing was whose and what everyone was allowed to do. So Paul calls them instead to be one unified body, to accept each other for who they are, and essentially to realize all God's children, and you know how this ends, all God's children have a place in the choir. Maybe you don't. We should sing that someday. All God's children have a place in the choir. Some sing low and some sing higher. Today is the day we ordain and install those who've answered a specific call to use their gifts as elders and deacons, which is not easy. Not using their gifts, but um, being an elder and deacon is not easy sometimes. One office is not more important than the other. As these church leaders step forward today, Think about ways you are already playing your part or you could play a part. Especially, as I said, when the new pastor arrives and God continues to bless his church as God is already doing with energy and intelligence and imagination and love and the dance of the spirit around us. God loves us. God loves you. God loves this church and the Holy Spirit is here, and you are a temple, and this is a temple to the living God. And every time we worship, or we serve a meal, or we make a call, or we send a card, or we speak a word of truth, or we act against systemic racism, or we reach out a hand, hundreds of different parts are working together without us even knowing it, so that what we experience is a single movement Fairmount members and friends together working as one unit, as the beloved body of Christ. Remember St. Teresa of Avia who wrote, Christ has no body on earth but yours.
no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on earth now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.